If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Green Dreamer is supported by our listener patrons. To support the show starting at just $1 per month and access extended content, you can head to greendreamer.com support to learn more. Regardless of whether it's home improvement or, or anything else we do in life, the more research you can do and the more informed we can be, I think it just arms us with, with better decision power. And so that's a little bit why you know, our company exists. It's, it's, it's to you know, create informed consumers who can, you know, have homes that are, that are more sustainable. That was Matt Daigle, the CEO and founder of Rise, which is a certified B Corp and the leading online authority in sustainable home improvement that's helped over 1 million homeowners with their home improvement projects. Stay tuned as we're about to explore why we need to be concerned and critical of the safety and sustainability of our home environments, how climate change is shifting the decisions that people make in regards to their homes, some easy home improvement tips, whether you're a homeowner or a non-homeowner, and more. Green Dreamer, if you're ready, take a deep breath and let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast exploring our paths to ecological balance, intersectional sustainability, and true abundance and wellness for all. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Growing up, I wasn't really... I wouldn't, wouldn't have never really called myself an environmentalist. I wasn't against the environment, but I, you know, I cared when people littered or I tried to watch as much as I could, uh, you know, as much as I, I consumed and these types of things. But I never, you know, was the first one to hop on a soapbox and, you know, talk about how much I, I love the planet. I think it just wasn't really illustrated to me uh, in really tangible terms until much later in life. And that sort of came in the form of when my first child came around. So a few years back, about five years ago now, my wife and I, we were at a kind of an interesting time where uh, we were expecting our first kid and 
uh, we decided to buy our first house together. And it was an interesting project because we were essentially trying to, it was a, it was a fixer upper of a house. So we obviously had to renovate it before we moved in. And so we were able to do that in about six months time. Um, we renovated the house as much as we could. We got it as, as, as ready as we could right before um, we could move in. And in April of 2014, we effectively moved into the house and just a month later, our first daughter, Audrey, came along. And so when our first daughter came around, obviously I started thinking about the future a lot more, but that about the same time I actually picked up our first power bill. And that was just you know a couple of months after having moved into the house. And I realized that our power bill actually hadn't changed at all. And so what this kind of illustrated to me was so although the home looked beautiful, like I have the benefit of my my wife, she's a, an interior designer. That's what she does for a living. And she started her company around the same time that I started mine. But what that illustrated to me was that although we had a really beautiful house, it wasn't really a house that really aligned with our values necessarily. I didn't know if I had a healthy home for our kids to grow up in. I didn't know, you know, what was up with our power bill. We we just invested six figures into this house and we're not saving on the cost of running it whatsoever. So I, I kind of considered the reno to be a bit of a fail. And mm-hmm. so that kind of pushed me into looking into what I would qualify as the green building market. So this was like you know, mid to late 2014. And at that point, there was quite a bit of stir in this industry. It it was picking up. And I I could see that there was a ton of talk about how could we have a home that that is more sustainable. Unfortunately, online, I I wasn't really met with any answers. Uh, I had more questions than answers. And I still, as as an average homeowner, couldn't quite figure out how I could have a a more sustainable home. And uh, that's, essentially what sprouted to begin rise. And so I was previously involved in the technology sector and I thought this could, this would be a problem that could be solved through technology. So uh, off I went. Mm. Well, as of the first quarter of 2019, home ownership rate in the United States, which is the percentage of homes occupied by their owners, is about 64.20%. So that's over half. And given that we have a lot more existing homes that homeowners are living in than we're building new ones from scratch, I feel like home improvement projects that specifically help to make our existing homes more energy efficient, greener, healthier, that can have a huge impact in the grand scheme of things if we each focused on the things that we have control over. So your company, Rise Inspired by Your Personal Experience, was started on a simple premise. How can the average homeowner have a home that is more sustainable in every way. Based on your knowledge of our average homes today, what are some things that we should be concerned about that currently make our homes not so sustainable and not so healthy? Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, there's a lot of this stuff that, you know, you kind of just don't know what you don't know. Mm. You know, you might not know that if you're, you know, for a lot of new first time home buyers, if you're, you know, you're touring homes, and um, you might not know that, you know, through your basement, you might have a a bad radon leak. Well, radon happens to be a gas that doesn't have kind of like carbon monoxide, doesn't really have any symptoms or signs. You can't smell it or see it or anything like that. But radon is a leading cause of lung cancer right after uh, smoking. So, you know, it's these, but it's these types of things that there's not, you know, when you buy a house, there's not like a little guide that tells you, Mm -hmm. hey, these 
the, the, the things that you need to worry about or that you need to kind of look at with, with your home and some of the renovations you should probably tackle. And oftentimes when you can't see it, you also can't, you, you know, you can't really say, well, this is, you know, this is a problem or maybe it isn't even, you know, the paints that we choose, for example, there's a reason why there are no VOC alternatives. You might have heard of that term, VOC, volatile uh, organic compounds. It's just the way paints have been made in the last several decades. It's a chemically based cocktail of, of things. And unfortunately, uh, the paint that you put on your walls, you end up, a, a lot of these, these older paints uh, tend to off gas. And so occupants of the home are breathing that in. And you're kind of just filtering that through your lungs you know, it can lead to, to other things. And so, you know, and, and that's maybe more on the healthy side. Um, there are other things like obviously the efficiency of the home is a big concern for folks. Um, the amount of energy that a home consumes, is, especially when that energy is relying on the grid, that's also a big concern. I think you, what you said earlier about homeowners being able to have an impact. We get that question a lot like, hey, I'm just an average homeowner and, you know, short of uh, being able to shut down a coal mine, like what what can I really do to, to have an impact? And it's, it, you know, believe it, believe it or not, it's really the individual actions of, of people and homeowners that have an impact. So even just changing your light bulbs over to LEDs, you know, you can get an LED bulb now for, you know, under five bucks and it saves you a ton of money and you have them for much longer than, a t you know, an old incandescent bulb. And at the end of the day, it's kind of a, a win-win for everybody. You have better light in your home. Uh, you save money while doing it. Aesthetically, it might be also more pleasing. And you're also helping the environment along the way. I think what I've learned is that there's also no one size fits all solution out there. So, I mean, at Rise, we we're all about sustainable home improvement and how you can have a better home. What I've learned is that there's no typically no universal product out there that is 100% green, so to say. Mm -hmm. There's kind of like shades of green. Um, so there's there's trade-offs somewhere, and and oftentimes you're going to have to make your decisions based on your values. So Maybe you're looking at putting some new flooring in and you think that bamboo flooring is a really good alternative. A lot of people will say that's a really sustainable product because it comes from rapidly renewable resources, uh, which is bamboo. But then other people will tell you, well, hey, I mean, that bamboo is, you know, 90% of the time it's produced in Asia and it has to travel a very long way to get here and, and thus has a very large footprint. So is, it, is that still a sustainable product? You know, some would say right. yes, some would say no. There's so much nuance. There, there, there totally is. I mean, even the talk of like, you know, solar panels, for example, solar panels are, are an amazing product, just obviously an emerging technology. There's more and more of them. The prices are going down. So it's more affordable for folks. But then there's all this talk around what happens to solar panels at their end of life. You know, they don't last forever, unfortunately. And, um, while you're benefiting from, you know, lower energy costs or maybe completely en eliminating your energy costs by using them, there's also that circular economy moment where you're kind of like, well, what happens to this? Does it end up in a landfill somewhere um, overseas where it perhaps is even made with, you know, certain materials that can't really, re really be recycled or might even be harmful to people or the environment? So much to think about. <laughs> Back to that health piece that you mentioned. I'm wondering if we know how widespread the health impacts from our home environments are. So do we know like how, what percentage of people 
or children suffer from maybe development issues because of toxins in their homes, or how widespread are issues to do with how we may be impacted physically and with our daily mental clarity from the things that are present in our home environments? I, I don't think that we we know the full extent of it, but I I do believe that we're at a time where people are more and more in the know about what needs to go into a product. And so a lot of the new innovations that we're seeing, a lot of the new products that are coming out, they have the health component in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, there's a, a lot more laws and regulations around the types of products that can be produced. We're, uh, we're in Eastern Canada, but I know that you know, we'll buy a few products here and there that come with these big labels on them that say, you know, this has a, forget the, forget the name of the, uh, the exact regulation, but it comes from California. California has kind of, kind of been on the leading edge of, of that side, especially with like flame, ret- flame retardants and the use of heavy chemicals in uh, the production of goods. So I, I know that, you know, these types of things, they weren't around, you know, decades ago. And so we're starting to make strides. But there's, you know, back to your point, I think there's a variety of things that we still don't know. What I've learned is that the, 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 the more you can simplify a home, I think over the years we've created products that are so complex. They involve so many different materials, mm-hmm. different resources. But I've, you know, some of the better homes that we've seen also happen to be, to be the simplest. You know, a few weeks ago, you know, we published an article about hemp wood which is kind of like, I'd say like an, uh, maybe an upgrade to a uh, hempcrete or a, a play on hempcrete. And hempcrete is, is something that's been used for a few decades and it's also just gaining popularity now, but it's this great material that just comes from hemp and you can build walls with it. You can, you know, insulate your home with it. And hemp wood is kind of like a material, just like, just like wood. So you can use it as, you know, for furniture or flooring or anything like that. Uh, and it's all made from hemp and some um, some soy-based binders. I think there's a ton of innovation, and the, these the, these products that are coming out, a lot of them are are more naturally based, so to say. In describing your work on your website, it says some may refer to this as green or eco-friendly home improvement, but we got tired of the greenwashing and stuck to something more meaningful. End quote. What are some examples or red flags of greenwashing that we should be aware of in this space? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so I, I guess what I've learned, you know, over the years is that everybody wants to be green. So, you know, over the years, a lot of companies have kind of marketed, them, marketed themselves as such when it might not necessarily be the case. You know, right now I can go and spin up my own label or my own brand around an eco alternative or a you know 100% green product and put that label on my product without any real consequence on that right so when you see products that say we're 100% green or you know we are a sustainable product think about the word you know sustainable what does it really mean what i've learned is that that meaning has is different for everybody. Sustainable for you, it might be might have to do with your health, but sustainable for me might have to do with my wealth and you know making making sure that I'm not spending a bunch bunch of money on having to operate my house every month. And for others, it might just mean the planet, making sure that whatever we're we're building has the planet in mind. I caution was just um, don't be afraid to ask questions like why why is that label there? Why? Um, so there, there are, and we talk about this quite a bit on our, on our site, in our content, just 
around some of the more recognizable uh, labels and certifications that are out there so consumers can kind of know what's what. But I, I you know, I, I believe that consumers are more and more educated. And that, that's essentially why we're seeing so much traction with our site is that homeowners want more and more control over what goes into their home. And it, it's going beyond just the aesthetics now. It's going into the walls and into the nuts and bolts of what makes their house what it is. And so I, I think you're getting a customer or, you know, homeowners now that are uh, more and more educated and they make better and better buying decisions. And they're obviously very, very involved in what goes into their, their home. Mm. And just really quickly, what are some of the most credible labels that we can look out for? On our site, we've we've looked at and analyzed over, you know, 250 different product types. So wow, that's okay. going to depend on the, the, the industry that you're in. You know, if you're looking at uh, maybe an example would be if you're looking at a piece of furniture, furniture is typically made of wood uh, and maybe some textiles. So, you know, you might want to look at where that wood comes from. A recognizable logo in, in, in that industry would be uh, FSC certified wood, which it's a certification that wood, manu- or wood producers can get for their, their crops. We'll be sure to link to your website, buildwithrise.com in our show notes so our listener can check out all these different resources that you have and all the credible certifications in different industries and for different product types. But for now, increasingly different parts of the country and the world have to face more extreme weather conditions due to our climate crisis. Some places have more floods, some places are more prone to drought and wildfires, some places may face stronger hurricanes. Are you noticing any shifts in terms of people's priorities for their home improvements based on this? And how do you foresee climate change impacting the decisions that we make about our homes? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, resiliency is a huge part of, of what we do and making sure that we have homes that are, are, are strong, that, that are going to last not just decades, but centuries to come. Um, so, yeah, we are seeing, uh, at least from the, the folks coming to our site, we are seeing an increased demand for information on homes that are more resilient products that are going to last a long time. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of products and a lot of building materials developed over the years that aren't so uh, resilient and don't last a very long time. So we make sure to highlight that with folks, not not to not to pick on any specific one. I'll, I'll you know just as an example, let's say um, a, you know a roof, for example. You know, a roofing is a, a very expensive uh, and maybe uh, an unsexy upgrade to your home. It's, yes. it's kind of one of those things you need to have. And um, some roofs obviously look better than others, but it's just one of those improvements that most people don't really notice it. But at the end of the day, you need a roof over your head and you need that roof to, to last a, 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 as long as possible. So when people are making, you know, a decision on which roofing product they should go with, um, oftentimes it's it's purely based on the economics and sometimes the economics aren't quite apparent. There's kind of like this belief that, you know, asphalt shingles, which is probably the most widely used type of shingle in, in North America, is the least expensive. And unfortunately, asphalt shingles are just, you know, loaded with stuff. I mean, I'm not going to get into the details of that, but it, unfortunately, it's not, it's not a great product. I've yet to find an asphalt shingle that, you know, checks all the boxes but unfortunately, the, the, the biggest problem with that product is that it, it doesn't last a very long time. So when you're buying a roof, 
you, what you really want to buy is longevity. You want to buy durability and something that you're not going to need to fix in a couple of years. And, you know, that's one of those products that, you know, you might have a 15 year, maybe 20 years, um, out of it. And, and, and then you will have to replace that roof again. And then those shingles end up in the landfill and then, you know, it's a whole another, another story, but <laughs> And adding to the concerns that we covered earlier, we know that indoor air quality can be two to five times worse than outdoor air pollution. So it seems mm -hmm. like a key concern is the chemicals and the volatile organic compounds, as you mentioned earlier, that can off-gas from our paints, furnishings, furniture, flooring, fixtures, and of course, our household products as well. So my question is, if we know that there are potential and probable carcinogens and reproductive toxins and neurotoxins, for example, in this mix, why are they even allowed to be used in the first place and sold in the marketplace? <laughs> I, yeah, that's, a, that's a, an amazing question. And <laughs> I wish I had the answer for you because I've been asking myself the same question for, for years. Mm. As recently in California, just a, a few months ago. So two stories out of that. One is that so just on the totally useless product front, I, we were filming just outside of this. this uh, so we were doing house feature films with a few homeowners and we were on our very last shoot for the trip. And we were out, sitting outside of this beautiful home and the next door neighbors, they were having some work done outside and there was these workers there that were, you know, they had gas powered blowers and uh, they were basically, you know, blowing leaves away or, or grass or something like that. And so, yeah, so these gas powered blowers were so loud uh, that we actually had to wait until they were, they were done all the work to continue with the shoot. And they were, they were stinky, obviously. And, and so I, and I, for a second, I looked at these, this product and I was like, okay, so here's a product that literally all it does is blow hot air to, you know, get rid of grass clippings. Okay. That's great. But then it creates, so it solves that problem, but then it creates these other two problems of like all this noise pollution and all this like air pollution uh, at the same time. So how a product that solves one problem, but then creates two others, how is a product like that allowed to exist? I think that that, you know, resonates with the rest of the home improvement industry as well. And then on the other point of air and, you know, the, the healthy home, I think there are amazing, amazing homes that are being built today that follow stringent standards that people maybe aren't used to and think that, you know, it costs a lot more money to do that. And I think that's just kind of like a, a big misconception that, that, that needs to be a bit demystified. So uh, when I was in California, I also got to tour the first four passive homes in California. And so passive home is a German <clears throat> building standard that's being popularized in North America. And uh, it's just made its way to California now. Uh, it's been present more in the, you know, the, the colder climates because it, it does such a great job at uh, insulating from the outdoors. But essentially, it's a standard that, that you know, takes some pretty smart principles of, uh, or I, I call, call them almost like common sense principles, but... <laughs> Essentially, um, you know, kind of orient your home with the sun so that you maximize your exposure to the sun. But at the same time, um, you're also creating like a super well insulated home and you're introducing mechanical uh, ventilation systems to bring lots of fresh air in. So uh, like a, a typical passive home in our in northern Canada, for example, the, the walls are like 20 to 22 uh, inches thick typically. Mm -hmm. 
so much thicker than a typical wall. So it's, it's hyper insulated. There's also a lot of standards uh, or a lot of um, kind of rules around what you can introduce within the homes with regards to finishes and, and all that kind of stuff. But toward these homes in California, the first four passive homes, uh, they just had crazy wildfires there last year. And it's, it's crazy. Like each one of these homeowners told me the, almost the identical story. They said that during these wildfires, they essentially, when you were walking outside, it was like blue smoke in, in especially in LA, it was like blue smoke outside. And actually at that point in time, uh, LA was, I think worldwide was the worst place in the world for air quality, uh, to be in. And so these homeowners had these these hyper insulated homes with uh, amazing ventilation systems and inside their home, they couldn't tell that there were, there, there was actually, you know, massive blue smoke outside and wow. all the benefits of, of being in a home that, you know, still had amazing air, uh, air quality. And it just kind of highlighted that, you know, we can build homes that protect also protect us against these types of things and, and create, you know, really healthy environment for folks. Also like, these homes are great if you even if you have pets you know like uh, a couple uh, two homeowners actually told me that they had people who were allergic to um I, I forget if it was cats and dogs and they came into the house which had a cat or a dog in it and none of their allergies actually flared up or anything like that it was it was as if wow you know there weren't pets there uh, at all just because of the the mechanical ventilation that's used throughout the home so obviously people in people differ in their thoughts on what the government should regulate or not regulate. But for something as serious as, you know, these probable carcinogens, toxins and neurotoxins, what are your thoughts on what we need most to not even have this be a possible issue? Would having better regulations be the most effective in keeping everyone safe? Should it be the manufacturer's responsibility? Or do we as consumers just need to study up before we buy anything? And what is more practical in being able to drive positive change across the industry? Speaking on the home improvement side, I mean, I can say fairly confidently that having better building codes makes uh, a heck of a difference. There are countries now that are starting to, I think even uh, Ireland, um, you know, not that long ago made passive home the building standard. Mm -hmm. So like that, that'd be the, the minimum building code. So, you know, when you build a new home nowadays, like it, it is regulated in a sense that, you know, you have to build to a certain standard and, you know, you have to have a building inspector come in and sign off on, okay, there was this much insulation in the home or, you know, these systems were implemented and, but for the most part in North America, those, those building standards, the, the bar is still set fairly low. Mm. If we did change that, I think it would force people to, A, you know, think twice about building a new home. It's a, it's a really big investment. Do you really want your home to just be about aesthetics? Like, do you just want to have a really pretty kitchen and a really pretty bathroom? Or, you know, do you want a, a home that's going to totally align with your values? It's going to make you thrive in your home. And it's going to make you feel safe, healthy, check all the boxes. Um, and to your point, I think consumers uh, also owe it to themselves to just do research. Like the more educated you on you are on any topic, the better results you're going to get, you know, regardless of whether it's home improvement or, or anything else we do in life. The more research you can do and the more informed we can be, 
I think it just arms us with with better decision power. And so that's a little bit why, you know, our company exists. It's, it's, it's to, you know, create informed consumers who can, you know, have homes that, that are more sustainable. And to close, I'd love to leave our listener with some simple action steps. So for the homeowner, what are some of the lowest hanging fruits when it comes to starting sustainable home improvement? Like, what are some things that we can start with that can make a big impact, but not cost a lot of time, effort or money? I actually get this question quite a bit. And my answer is always kind of the same. And I think it's probably been said by a lot of people. But Something as simple as changing out your light bulbs can, can make a, a huge difference uh, to your wallet and to the environment. You know, also things like air sealing, for example. So making sure that your home is airtight is pretty important. For example, um, something as uh, inexpensive as a tube of caulking um, and, you know, 30 minutes on a weekend is something that you can do just around windows or around trim. Um buying gaskets for your outlets or for for water uh for example buying a if you don't have one already uh an aerator for your for your faucets so that you're not using as much water this is just a simple you know five dollar screw on that you can just add to any faucet and uh, it just reduces the flow of of uh of water the great thing about home improvement i think is that you know there's something for every budget you know, so I mean, the ones that I've just mentioned are all things that are, you know, kind of under $30 or so. Uh, but, you, you know, there's there's quite a variety of things that you can change to improve, you know, even if, when you're, you know, changing the paint on the wall. So even if you are looking to make your, your place more beautiful, make sure that you read the labels, um, make sure that you're you're aware of any potentially uh, toxic uh, chemicals that you're bringing into the house. And these are also things that uh, if you're not a homeowner, if you're leasing your place, if you're if you're renting, there's a lot of these things that uh, that you can do to your to your place without you know necessarily investing too much in a property that's not your own, but things uh, that that can definitely benefit your your day to day life that doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Hey, I just wanted to thank you sincerely for your huge heart and continued dedication to being the change that you want to see in the world. I know it's not always easy, but the world is a better place today because of you, and I'm truly honored that you're here. If Green Dreamer has become a part of your routine and you're able to support the show starting at just $1 per month, which will also gain you access to extended content, that would be so immensely helpful, and I would so greatly appreciate that. You can head to greendreamer.com support to learn more. Green Dreamer is also now on YouTube, and I hope to start doing some real-life field interviews soon, so I'm not just sitting here in my closet staring at a screen and I can actually get out there and connect with people in real life. So if you're interested in staying posted on this, you can head to greendreamer.com YouTube to subscribe for free. For now, to our final five, let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or a publication you follow or a book that's been really profound for you? B Corps. Uh, so I, I follow, we follow B Corps quite a bit, primarily because we, we just became one ourselves. Congrats. Uh, but <laughs> we, we always, yeah, so we always love to see what other types of companies are, are, uh, are involved in that movement. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? For me, I think I've always, I've always kind of been a pretty driven person. I've, try to, you know, go back and, and figure out what keeps my, my drive going. Cause I, you know, with, with new companies and startups, perseverance is almost the name of the game. Uh, you have to keep persevering. 
And, um, I mean, for me, it's just being able to knowing that I'm coming to work every day, doing something I love with people that are amazing and rock stars and super smart at what they do, smarter than me, what they do. And, uh, that to me is, is, is highly motivating. What's one thing you do for your health, either daily or weekly? One thing that I've done, you know, in the last uh, decade or so is go to the gym. And so every morning I get up at five, I hit the gym for an hour and it's kind of like my, my, my downtime. Uh, that's my time to, to, you know, get some energy for the day and, uh, and get excited and also help uh, obviously coffee helps. I, I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> what are you working on right now to elevate your positive impact for a healthier planet? The, the Rise team just recently moved into a new downtown office uh, that we, we renovated from, from top to bottom. And, you know, one of the things that we implemented just after we moved in, well, a couple of things, a couple of programs. Uh, one is that we implemented a no single use plastics on premises uh uh, policy. So uh, you can't go in and out of our offices with with uh, any sort of single use plastics. So that's actually that was uh, quite an exercise for us. Uh, and actually a lot easier to implement than most people would think. And we have such a, a, a much better office because of it. And the other thing that we implemented as a as a policy, we um, decided that we would pay folks you know, for the folks that are either commuting to work and, you know, we live in a pretty small town. So, you know, it's fairly, the office is fairly accessible. It's quite central. Um, but for folks who are driving in using public transit, your bike or walking, um, you actually get paid for that. Um, the company actually pays the employees back for that. So that's some, something just to basically encourage, um, not having to rely on, on a car every day. Um, yeah. What makes you most hopeful for our planet and our world at the moment? Having started this business about five years ago, I think it's just the overall, um, there's been so much talk in the media around this topic of sustainability and the future. And what's exciting is that this is actually uniting a lot of people. It's actually bringing a lot of people together and, you know, depending on the initiative, which, you know, there are more and more of, but I think, uh, it's kind of like all hands on deck right now. People know what's at stake. People know this is real. There's uh, there's change that needs to be made and is and it is being made. And I think that's really encouraging just in general. Well, Green Dreamer, if you'd like to stay updated on Matt's work and learn more about healthy and green home improvements from Rise, you can head to buildwithrise.com. And you can also follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the same account username, Build with Rise. Super easy to remember. Matt, thank you so much for being with us today. What final words of wisdom would you like to leave us with as Green Dreamers? Well, thanks so much for having me, Kamea. Uh, you know, I don't think my story is is any different than a, than a lot of folks. And at the end of the day, I want home in a life where you know I can feel good about uh, the future and about you know what what I'm leaving behind for my kids uh, and their kids. And we literally have one planet, and it's up to us to, you know, it's up to everyone and you can take small steps at home that can make a world of a difference. Don't be afraid to ask questions, uh, be inquisitive. Your home is literally the, the number one big purchase that you'll probably make in your life. You know, make sure that it counts, make sure that your money's going in the right places and 
and that you're making a difference with the environment at the same time. Now is really the, the time to act. So that's it for me. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can subscribe to Green Dreamer on YouTube now at greendreamer.com slash YouTube. Become a patron and access extended content by going to greendreamer.com slash support and subscribe to our weekly solutions-driven newsletter at greendreamer.com. As we're wrapping up here, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.